Well, over the last few weeks, we have been in a conversation about spiritual habits and spiritual disciplines, and we've been talking about the importance of those things in our lives and how we live our lives with intention. We concluded our conversation in spiritual habits talking about uh, the habit of community, of coming together in relationship and building those opportunities into our lives where we spend time together and when we find authentic and healthy relationship. And one of the elements that I think we sometimes fail to consider when we talk about community is the part that we play in it. Um, And so over the the coming weeks, we're going to be unpacking one of the key elements of inviting people into meaningful community. And that's the element of hospitality. We've simply entitled this series, Open House. And we want to take a, a look at the biblical concept of hospitality. We, we think it's important not just to strive to understand and experience hospitality and be on the receiving end of, of people's wonderful generosity and, and hospitable natures, but we should look for opportunities to live out uh, this, this attitude of biblical hospitality. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be unpacking what it means to show hospitality, what it means to truly invite people into that place of relationship, regardless of where they come from. This morning as we begin to to really understand what it means to show hospitality, what it means to be hospitable, what hospitality looked like in the Bible, you know, many times our our view of of hospitality is, is... is based in our experience. It's born out of our experience, our upbringing, our family of origin, and, and, and kind of where we've come from. And oftentimes it's shaped by those, those elements of our lives that we experienced in our more formative years. Too often our understanding of what it means to be hospitable is, is short-sighted. It's, it's narrowly focused because of what we've seen or what we've experienced or we've heard or we've felt. You know, some of you are probably familiar. I have to say some now because I'm getting older and I I realize the older I get, the more distant some of the things that I enjoyed as a kid become. Just one of those realities, I guess. But in the 90s, there was a movie, Home Alone, that many of us probably saw and enjoyed and kind of, yeah, you know, you a little aftershave, you know, moment. But we all loved that movie Home Alone. If you had the opportunity to to watch it, the the McAllister family is leaving on their vacation, and they're all excited, and everybody's getting ready to go, and they go blowing out of the house to the airport to get on their flight, and they accidentally leave Kevin, young Kevin, behind, and he's stuck there by himself, and. You know, what at first kind of seems like an amazing blessing and an awesome opportunity starts to turn at some point. You know, we see Kevin first, he's excited. Everybody's gone. He's made his family disappear and he's doing all the things that he couldn't do when his family was there. He's eating ice cream and he's jumping on the bed and he's staying up late and he's watching movies and life is grand. And then, the burglars show up. Old Harry and Marv, the two dim-witted, you know, robbers that couldn't, you know, couldn't find their way out of a paper bag if they, they tried. And at first, Kevin's excited, and then, 
and he's having fun and everything's great. And now all of a sudden, he's faced with these, these intruders. And he goes from fun to, i got to defend the home. And he, he goes into, into military mode and he starts setting all the traps and we all know what happens. But he realizes the home needs defending. And it's at this point that he really begins to miss his family. He begins to miss that sense of belonging, that sense of being a part of a family. And he longs to see his parents and his brothers and sisters again. You know, I can remember what home looked like for me growing up in the Clements family. It was a little bit nuts, you know. I'm a, you know, one of four boys. My mom is, is hanging on to a shred of sanity even now, you know, having raised four boys. But our house was probably a lot like any other. We spent a lot of time around the table when I was growing up and having meals together. And I can remember we had assigned seats. You know, my dad sat right here, my mom and me and my older brother Ned and Caleb and then Pete. And one of the beautiful parts of sitting next to my mom was no matter what happened, no matter who was messing around at the table, I was the one who got pinched. And so I sat there. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I sat there and, you know, of course, I was a, an angel. Here's the driven snow. And my brothers were just hellions. And I would get pinched and it was just, it wasn't fair. All right. Sure, I probably still have some physical scars. Definitely emotional. But I can remember the meals around the table. We laughed and we had a lot of fun and we made fun of my mom's cooking. Let me just, let me just tell you, Greek lemon soup, it's not good. Not good. If my mom ever offers it to you, no matter how sick you are, just say no. But we used to love being together. And I can remember when, when it was time for dinner, my mom would yell through the house, Boys! You know, and she'd be standing right next to the intercom system you know, that was piped all the way throughout the house. But no, it was easier just to scream at the top of her lungs. And if we were outside, it was even better. You know, open the window. Dan! Caleb! Dinner! And you're like, yeah, okay, I'll be right there. I don't know whose mom that is, but... You know. But I can remember growing up, and I can remember the fun that we had. And Sundays were family day. You know, we go to church, we come home, and we couldn't go anywhere on family day, but we could invite people to our house. It was great, right? We couldn't, we had to be together, but we could invite people in. And my mom liked to call our house the, the Kool Aid house growing up. Not because they served Kool Aid, because that was too sugary, it was, it was not healthy. And we didn't do that. My mom, you know, my mom shopped at those weird, like heliotrope type stuff. She had a, she had a, she had a, like a, like a wheat mill thing, you know, that you grind your own flour. Yeah, it was a little weird. But we, we, we love to have people in our home. My parents loved to to host people, and the hospitality component was just something that we loved. And I think our desire should always be that. Be one of providing a space where people can come and feel at home. Because all of us desire that sense of belonging. We desire, we, we desire that sense of connection. And, 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 and that would, should be something that we desire not just to experience, but also to provide. Because the truth is, biblical hospitality 
welcomes those who are different. When we look at the, the biblical example of hospitality, it's one of welcoming people in who are different from us. You know, interestingly, the picture of hospitality in Scripture is one that, that doesn't necessarily line up with our own tendencies. Because we want to hang out with people that we like. We want to hang out with people who are like us, who we get along with, who we, people we have stuff in common with, and we just kind of naturally kind of, you know, it's like, yeah, you're easy to be around. Just come over, hang out. But when we think about hospitality, we, we think about those people. We don't think about the other people. But to truly understand biblical hospitality, we have to first define what it means to be hospitable. We need to define the word hospitality. And hospitality in Scripture comes from the Greek word philozenos. The first part of that word, the, the, the Greek root philo, or, or as, as you'll see sometimes in Scripture, philu, is one of the words for love in the Bible. It's, it, it's quite literally the picture of love. You see it in, in, in multiple different areas and passages of Scripture. You can see it in, in things even commonly known to us as, as city names. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. All of you geography majors in here? There's like two people that said it. So this, this philo is, is the word love. And then if you take the, the rest of the word, xenos means stranger or foreigner. So if you put those two words together, philo xenos, hospitality is to have a love for strangers. It's to invite foreigners in. You know, Exodus 22.21 says, You shall not oppress a stranger nor torment him. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Do we ever embrace the fact that all of us was a stranger once? Do we ever come to the place of understanding that every one of us was a first-time guest or a newbie at church at one point? Too often we get so comfortable in community that we forget what it feels like to be the one who's new. We forget what it feels like to be the outsider, to be the stranger. To be the one that nobody recognizes or nobody really knows. But true biblical hospitality moves quickly outside our circle and our sphere of influence. To really come to a place of desiring to show hospitality means we move outside of that safe little sphere of people that we kind of like being around. And we begin to look for opportunities to show that love outside. 1 Peter 4, verse 7 says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is an amazing picture when we begin to pull back and understand what's being said in this passage of Scripture. Here, Peter is, is talking about a concern for others. 
When he says serve others, he's not saying, well, just serve all those people that are right around you here. You know, this person and that person. Your, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad. Just serve those people that, that God's kind of placed right around you. No, he's saying serve others. Go outside. And it's no different for us in the church. When we think about service, when we think about community, when we think about hospitality, it shouldn't just be to those that we welcome in as insiders. Hey, it's good to see you again. Hey, God bless you. Come on in. Here's some donuts and coffee. Hope you feel at home like you do every other week. Come into our little country club. Isn't it grand? That's not what church is about. It's not what life is about. Because at one point, we were all strangers. We were on the outside looking in. And now in the church, we become a, a community of former strangers welcomed into the family of God. And God welcomes us with open arms because of the powerful, cleansing, life-giving, life-changing blood of Jesus. Because of Jesus that we can sit here as God's insiders. We can sit here as no longer strangers because we're called God's children. But the question becomes, are we inviting everyone into that kind of hospitality? Are we saying this is for everybody? Come on and be a part. Or does our hospitality merely extend to those who look like us, talk like us, work in a similar field, they're in a comparable season of life? Hey, you've got kids, I've got kids, we should hang out. Because that's oftentimes how we live our lives. We find these little points of commonality and those bind us together and everything's great. But a stranger is not someone just like you whom you don't know yet. No. A stranger could and should likely be somebody radically different than you. You ever thought about entertaining those people? Showing hospitality to people who have nothing in common with you? Because that's what we see in Scripture. The truth is, all of human life and relationship began with God's example of hospitality. The life and relationship that we have with God was born out of His desire to show hospitality. Because the purest form of hospitality treats outsiders like insiders. Just as God treated us from the very beginning. Our text today is found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. You have the, your Bible, you can flip there, you can jump on the Bible app and look it up with us. I'm going to read with my reading glasses on because my text is very small. And my eyes don't work like they used to. Genesis 1.3 says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. And there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And if you jump down to verse 26, all this creative process takes place. And then in verse 26 it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, 
over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God went through this entire creative process. And He created everything for us. It's so crazy. He didn't create all this stuff just to show off His amazingness and He was walking around in the garden going, isn't this amazing, gang? Did you guys check this out? Did you see that animal over there? Yeah. He, he created everything for our benefit and our pleasure. He created man and woman and He said, subdue the earth. Reign over it. He wasn't strutting around showing off his stuff. This is an aardvark. That's an anteater. I know the nose is weird looking. You know, for all of you people who can't figure out whether you're an Oregon Duck fan or an Oregon State Beaver fan, God created the platypus. The best of both worlds. You're welcome. But God wasn't strutting around the garden saying, you know, I'm just a great God. Check this out. No, He welcomed Adam and Eve into the garden. He said, this is for you. Created this for you. And by the way, I want to have relationship with you. I want to walk with you. I want to have communion with you. You see, too often we tend to look at God's process of creation and we, we, we sort of assume that we were some kind of an afterthought. Oh, He created this and He created this and then He created this and then He created man and woman because He didn't really have anything else to do. When in reality, everything God created, every promise He made in Scripture was for our benefit and to display His glory. That's why He created. God made a place for us in the world that He created. A world that, he, that we had no claim to inhabit. We didn't deserve it. We hadn't earned it. And God knew this was a dangerous, dangerous offer. It was a difficult equation. Because we were outsiders. He was offering us this beautiful, pristine world. And there was a chance we might defile it. And guess what we did? But He welcomed us anyway. He welcomed us into relationship. Author Miroslav Volf in his book, Exclusion and Embrace, writes, having been embraced by God, we must make space for others and invite them in. Even our enemies. When we talk about hospitality, do you think, you know what? Yeah, God, that person that I hate, that really is just kind of a pain in my... Mm -hmm, and they have a tendency just to make my life miserable, I think I want to hang out with them. I should give them a call and see what they're doing. That just sounds grand. That's not typically how we... Think about or embrace hospitality. But that's what we're called to. When we truly embrace what it means to treat strangers as friends, then everything changes. Genesis 18, verse 1 says, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, where while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. And Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. 
He said, if I found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet, rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed, and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seahs of the finest flour, knead it, and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf, gave it to his servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared, and he set these before them. And while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. So here we go. Everybody know who Abraham is? Abraham's kind of a big deal in the Old Testament, right? Abraham, who God said, I will make you the father of many nations. This is the Abraham we're talking about. He decides when he sees these three strangers that he's going to run out to serve them. And he doesn't come strutting out like this, like, hey gang, how's it going? My name's Abraham. Used to be called Abram. You might know me. God calls me the father of many nations. I don't know, maybe you read about me. No? He doesn't come strutting out and say, did you see my tent? Yeah, this is one of the new ones. It's a double-decker. I don't know how that works with a tent, but... You know, he doesn't, he doesn't come out and say, did you see all my cattle? Did you see all my feet? This is all mine. You know, I know it's impressive. But, you know, it's just, it's just my, humble, my humble little area here. No, he comes out and his desire is to serve. His desire is to, to provide refreshment, to bring these, 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 these men in, to wash their feet, to do all these things. Not because he's desiring to be known or applauded or anything like that. He wants to serve. I was reading a blog this past week and it talked about the seven essentials for hospitality. From Abraham. The first one is greet graciously. Greet graciously. Abraham greeted the strangers at the door, and what did he do? He walked out with his chest puffed out? No, he bowed. He bowed humbly. He said, I want to serve you. I don't know who you are, I don't know why you guys are here, but I want to serve you. He was humble. He entertained enthusiastically, he was excited. He ran, he hurried, it says, Scripture says, to meet the strangers. He was, he was excited to have them there. He's excited to share what God had blessed him with. He served. And then he saw the power of God at work. Abraham served the men and then he stood by to make sure they had everything that they needed. He honored them. And he did it with humility. Abraham offered food and water and, and even a, a foot washing. He humbled himself to the place to wash these men's feet. And then he served. And then he continued to serve. After Abraham had served the men, he stood nearby attentively. I mean, do you think he just kind of, why, why is that in Scripture? Do you think it's like, well, you know, Abraham was bored, so he just went over here and stood? Inside, didn't want to be completely out of the picture in the story. Oh, he stood by attentively waiting to see what they might need and if there was more that he could do. He took the time. Abraham hurried to serve the men, but he didn't hurry the process of hospitality 
It wasn't like, hey, why don't you guys eat and get on your way? Because I don't know who you are and I don't know what you're about, but here's some food and then... Mm-mm-mm. Right? Because none of us have ever, ever, ever done that. You know, you have people come over to the house. You, you're like, okay, now when I go to the nose, we should probably start turning the lights off and make sure we put the food away. Like We've got to have the signal. And Abraham, Abraham stood by his desire to serve. Abraham was excited to serve and he gave his best. Went out and got the best calf, the best food, the best bread. He made sure they had everything that they needed. You see, hospitality is the offer to extend the privileges of the community to those who don't expect it. Because we all have these privileges of belonging. When you belong, you can be yourself. You can say something stupid and people go, ah, that's just, that's just Dan. Yeah, he, he says stupid stuff. But hospitality extends that offer of belonging to people who don't think they deserve it yet. Who don't feel like they belong yet. Especially those who are most vulnerable because they are strangers. They see themselves as outsiders. But God calls us to see them as insiders. And the truth is, hospitality reaches beyond the desire to entertain. There's a difference between hospitality and entertainment. We may not know that because we, we tend to join them together. It can be very easy to sometimes mistaken hospitality and entertainment or entertainment for hospitality. So the natural question obviously becomes, well, what's the difference between entertainment and hospitality? I'm glad you asked. You know, entertaining people is naturally more self-focused. Entertaining people is, is, here I am, come into my beautiful home, see all the things that I've prepared for you. Did I mention I've been slaving over the, the, the smoker for 16 hours? Yeah, I've been smoking this meat for 16 hours. That's how special you are to me. I have the honor of partaking all the wonderful things that I've spent hours getting done for you. Look at this lavish buffet, this intricate decor, this wonderful party that I've put out for you. You're welcome. How fortunate you are to be here and to be a part of my amazingness. Right? Obviously, I'm kind of embellishing a little bit. We don't all say that. Maybe we think it. But we don't say that. But that's sometimes what we experience. Have you ever been to somebody's house and they just keep going and it's like, so I got this, this cured meat that's been aged over seven months. And... Uh, I cooked it over a, I don't know, applewood, wood, smoking something or other. And they want to just brag. And, and did you see my, my Japanese knives? Yeah, these were imported from, you guessed, Japan. And they're very sharp. And they don't ever dull. And it's just this ongoing like saga of, of let me just show you the next part of how amazing this is. Your night's just getting started, you know. But we've, ex- we've experienced those types of interactions where you're just like, wow, is this about you or is this about me? 
I could see you're really celebrating yourself. But entertaining is, is more about what we've done and what we've accomplished on behalf of the people that we're entertaining. Whereas the hospitable host focuses all the attention outward. You're here. I've been waiting for you. So excited you're here. It's, it's, it's a little bit pathetic at times when Gretchen and I prepare to host people because she's an amazing host. She makes amazing things that taste very good. And I'm just kind of a little party favor that just kind of stands there and, you know. Yeah, and, and, yeah. I, I'm, and typically about five to ten minutes before people show up at our home, this is what it looks like. Gretchen's in there making something amazing, and I'm like standing by the door like, are they here yet? Like, looking out the window like, oh my gosh, I can't wait. I'm like a kid with a new toy. But that's what hospitality is about. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till we get here. This is going to be so great. No one is more important than you are today. And I'm thrilled you've come. The posture we assume in hospitality is one that bends low. It, it's, it's generously offering our heart to another despite whatever interruption it, it, it causes in our lives. It's not running around and making sure everything's perfect and great. It's no, just I, I just want to have a relationship. I want you to come in. It's an attentiveness that places others at the center of your efforts. It's a devotion. You know, have you, have you ever noticed that there's a similarity between the two words hospitality and hospital? Because hospital's in the word hospitality. But it's because they both developed out of a need for accommodations during the medieval period. Specifically when people were traveling. The author and writer Leslie B. Flynn describes hospitality in hospitals this way. She says, ancient travelers, whether pilgrims or businessmen, fared poorly when venturing beyond their own country. Thus, religious leaders established inter international guest houses in the 5th century. These havens were called hospice, from hospes, Latin for guests. With the coming of the Crusades, the importance of the hospice increased greatly. Pilgrims, crusaders, and other travelers found hospices by this time run by religious orders. The only reputable guest houses of the area. Or of, the, of the era. The reality is, if you went to a guest house that was not a hospice, there was other stuff going on there that was not as reputable. And uh, typically, if you were going there, you were going there for a reason. Soon after the Crusades, most of these institutions began to specialize in the care of the poor, the sick, the aged, and the crippled. During the 15th century, secular interests took over the most entertaining of, of travelers so that the hospital restricted its function to care and treatment of the sick and handicapped. By originally, but originally, it meant a haven for guests. The hospital was for guests, for strangers, for travelers. So extending hospitality at its core is about freely giving of ourselves while granting others the freedom to be themselves. It's freely giving to somebody and they don't have to change. They don't have to come in. They don't have to dress up. They don't have to be something other than who they are. It's the shifting of our focus from us to them that removes all the unnecessary expectations. 
takes all the burdens off. There's no need to worry about what to say or how to act. Just, just come as you are. Are we truly a church that desires that people would come as they are? Because churches all over the place like to put it all over their website and their signs, come as you are. And then people come as they are and you're like, whoa. Did you go take a shower? That person doesn't talk the right, the right way. They're saying things that they shouldn't be saying and we don't use those kind of words at church. And we struggle really to embrace that whole come as you are idea. The reality is God desires we embrace outsiders as insiders. Too many times we tend to see community exist as an us and them. It's us wonderful, awesome, churchy people and those sinners, those, 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 those bad people out there. We're sinners saved by grace. And they're, whew, they're something else. We don't live like that. We don't talk like that. We don't hang out with people who do. And we kind of get this whole, well, we've got to kind of divide the sheep and the goats. But the reality is each one of us must be reminded that God invited us into His perfect version of hospitality and belonging. God was perfect, and yet we were not, and He invited us into relationship. Not because we deserved it. Not because we cleaned ourselves up and got right spiritually. Now we can... Hang out with God. No, He invited us into relationship because of His perfect, unfailing, and unconditional love. He loved, so He desired relationship with His created. He invited us into it. You ever notice that Jesus didn't say to Zacchaeus when He was up in the tree, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree and repent. As you clean up your act, I'd like to mentor you spiritually and disciple you until you're ready to be called my follower. It's going to be great. I've got this whole six-step spiritual journey. We're going to do it together. It's going to be awesome. That's not what Jesus said to him. Luke chapter 19, verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. There was no precursor to the relationship that Jesus entered into with Zacchaeus. It wasn't like, you're a bad dude, stop being a bad dude, then we can hang out. Zacchaeus was still a bad dude when they went to hang out. It wasn't like Zacchaeus took out his little RSVP, you know, his little Evite RSVP list, and he's like, yeah, no, no, yeah, I don't think Jesus is going to want to hang out with that person. I'll make sure I invite all the right people. No. Zacchaeus was a sinner who was surrounded by sinners. And Jesus went to hang out with him, much to the ridicule of the religious elite. He said, does he even know who he's hanging out with? But what about that bad guest? What, what about those people that we, we get concerned about, right? As, as believers, as Christians, as, as people in the church, sometimes we go, well, what about those people who are going to try and take advantage of us? about them? What about the bad guests? Doesn't hospitality leave us open to being taken advantage of? Don't good guests have an obligation to be grateful? When we show hospitality, shouldn't they be thankful? Shouldn't they say thank you? And 
you know, our worries about good hosts and bad guests depend on whether we see ourselves as the hosts or as the guests. Because sometimes it's a matter of perspective. We practice hospitality because God practiced hospitality. Not because we're, you know, a great host. Because God called us to. God invited us humans into earth. The earth that He created for His glory. And He invites us into it. And we were and we sometimes are bad guests. I know. It's crazy to think that sometimes we take God's blessings for granted. That we don't thank Him every day for what He's done. That we don't always treat things with the amount of respect that we should. You know, we messed up in the Garden of Eden and we continue to sometimes treat each other poorly. The last two years of watching the church, I'm using the church in big quotes, the way that people have talked to them, talked to each other over political disagreements and mask, no mask, vax, no vax. It's like, seriously? When we're called to a place of loving hospitality, that stuff doesn't matter. It's so, so beyond secondary, it's not even funny. We don't show gratitude to God, and yet He keeps offering us hospitality. He keeps, keeps inviting us into relationship. The only way that we can ask about the bad guest, you know, those people that maybe are going to take advantage of us, is if we see ourselves as only being the good host. That is, we forget that we are the ungrateful guests at God's table sometimes. Sometimes we don't thank God for who He is and what He's done and the way He invites us into relationship even when we're sinning, even when we're chasing our own stuff. You know, if hospitality is treating an outsider like one of us, then it will change the ways in which we invite people to participate in our community. Here's the deal. Here's where the rubber meets the road. Are we ready to be a church? Are we ready to be a people, individuals who really, truly invite people into relationship and hospitality? Because it may look different. You know, I heard the story this past week of, of, of Reuben and, and Sonia a homeless couple in their 20s, they, they showed up at a church service on a Friday asking for help with food. And they were living with their infant in a van. The congregational coordinator, her name was Carol, got them vouchers for food and got them into temporary housing. But, but Carol did something more. In talking to Reuben, she discovered that he played bass. She saw it in, in their van. So she invited him to play with the worship band on Sunday two days after she met him. She didn't ask him to play. She didn't ask him if he was a good musician. She didn't even ask if he was a good Christian. She simply welcomed him in Jesus' name. And now, a couple years later, Reuben, Sonia, and their child are regular members of the church. You may ask, how's, how's that a story about hospitality? What does that, what does that have to do with being hospitable. Let's say that we had a 25-year-old bass player who grew up in the church with the, with the 
praise band welcome him in? Yeah, of course. We'd probably recruit him, right? Grew up in the church. He knows us. He looks like us. He talks like us. Worship team material. But Carol extended to Reuben the privileges that any member of the congregation would have expected. She treated an outsider like an insider. And because of that, he became an insider. That's hospitality. Are we willing to allow people to belong before they believe? Are we willing to invite people into relationship when they don't talk like us and they don't think like us and they don't believe the same stuff about Jesus that we do? Messy. Might cause us to have to engage some conversations that maybe might be a little bit uncomfortable. So are we ready for those messy components of church and relationship that come with showing real hospitality and inviting people into community? Because that's what we see. Jesus looking up into the tree and seeing Zacchaeus and going, I want to I have lunch with you today. I want to be with you. I don't know you, but I want to know you. Just like Zacchaeus, Jesus desires to visit our house. He has no requirements for us before He comes to visit. We don't have to make all things right with our dealings before letting Him in. He already knows who we are and what shape our house is in. He wants to be there anyway. It wasn't until Zacchaeus' encounter with Jesus that everything changed. Do you think maybe, just maybe, when we allow the love of Jesus to flow through us, that maybe it might have a force in it that would change somebody's life as we allow the Spirit of God to work through us? Or are we just interested in hanging out with people who God's already transformed? Because God's desire is that none would perish. That none would lose out on a relationship with Him. God's desire is that we would show this kind of hospitality to those who are lost, who are searching, whose eternity literally hangs in the balance. The question is, what kind of hosts will we choose to be? Would you stand to your feet this morning as we close? Father, we thank You that You've called us into relationship, that You welcome us into Your presence, that You call us Your children, and that You desire to welcome us, or that You show us hospitality with no strings attached, that You you bring us into this place where we experience all of the benefits and blessings of being an insider. Even though as sinners, we are truly outsiders. But God, You call us Your own. You love us that much. and So we, we thank You, Father, for helping us to understand what it means to be those who would show hospitality. That we would be those who would show people the kind of love that You've shown us. We ask that You'd help us, Lord. That You would give us the strength not just to see the people who look like us and live like us and talk like us and walk like us, but Father, we would see those other people 
those other people that the church world would say, oh, you, don't, you shouldn't hang out with them. We would invite them in and say, no, 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 you're not an outsider, you're an insider. You're welcome here. I want to know you. I want to I have lunch with you. I want to spend time with you. Because you matter. Father, give us that courage. Help us to love people without condition, without expectation. So that people come to that place of truly experiencing what it means to be in your presence. You even say in Scripture, you don't know who you may be entertaining. You may be entertaining angels. So help us to serve people. Help us to love people. Help us to show the kind of hospitality that invites people in. Knowing we may not be knowing. We may not know who we're entertaining. So Father, we thank You for giving us the ability to be Your hands and feet to bless people. And perhaps this morning you, you've come into this place and you say, you know, I, I've experienced a lot of things. You know, I've come into this church and you guys got great coffee and wonderful donuts, but I, don't, I really don't know what it means to step into real relationship with Jesus. If that's your desire this morning, each and every one of us, before God called us into His family, were outsiders. But He calls us to be insiders. He calls us to be His children. He calls us into relationship. And as we respond to that, He gives us that promise of salvation. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we'll be saved. It's that simple, but we have to acknowledge our need of a Savior. And so this morning, we want to give you the opportunity to do just that. In a moment, we're going to say a prayer as a church family, and we invite you to say this prayer with us that you might be invited into the family of God. We say this together, church. Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe Your Son Jesus Christ came to this earth to show me how to live. And He died and was raised back to life so I could have a relationship with You. I ask You today to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change as I choose to live for You today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, church, <clears throat> it is a decision that we have to make in each and every moment, each and every day. There are those that will come across your path who you say, yeah, I want to hang out with that person. And then God is going to bring those people across your path that you go, nope, <laughs> not for me. And the reality is every one of those people that God brings across our path is entitled to the same hospitality that God has shown us. The same love that He's offered us. And so as we go throughout our week, as we go throughout our day, as we go into our workplaces, when we go into our homes and into our schools, it's a decision whether or not we're going to be willing to invite people into relationship. Just as Jesus did with Zacchaeus. We can see people with all their stuff. But our prayer should be, God, show me their heart. Show me them 
Show me them as, as your child that I might invite them into relationships. So that's our, that's our decision. That's, that's what's before us this week. As we go out of this place, we have the opportunity to impact people and love people uh, the way that, that Jesus did. And so uh, let's make a commitment to it. Let's go out. Let's be the neighborhood and show the love of Jesus to everyone we meet. 